Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. I enjoy the worship team and all that they do. They put a lot into this. You know, this week's been a busy week uh, here at the ministry, and next week will be just as busy, if not busier. And we had a uh, graduation uh, for kindergarten last. Oh, thank you. Well, you look prettier than Ken. And uh, the uh, couldn't help myself. But anyway, what I was saying is we had a kindergarten graduation last uh, Friday night. And you realize that when we have a, a kindergarten graduation that the platform doesn't look like this. Matter of fact, the keyboard's not up here, and the microphones, guitars, and all these things are not up on the stage because can you imagine having a room full of five-year-olds up here with this stuff? Well, I did imagine it, and that's why it got took off, okay? We got it all off of here. Now, you see, when all of this has to be taken down, that means the worship team had to do that. And that means that with it taken down, it all has to be put back. You know, and they don't come just one day and do the performance. They come up during the week, every day, and they practice and all. And not one time is this worship team, they may have complained to themselves or somebody else, but they didn't come to me and say, Pastor, this is, this is just a lot of work. And you know why? Because they recognize and know it's bigger than them. I'll say that again. They know and recognize that it's bigger than they are. You see, sometimes in life we look at things as what's the most convenient thing for us. But when we see something from God's perspective, we realize that, you know what, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than me. And what happens in that is we get blessed. God blesses us with a little extra because we did the little extra, right? And so, you know, it's just been a lot. And I just want you, the worship team, to realize, especially those that's moving all the stuff, and that I really appreciate that. I appreciate your, your, your heart of giving and serving and being able to do that because I know what it takes to have to do all of that, you know, and the setting up and the taking down, the setting up and taking down, it takes time. And I, I, I treasure your time. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, we had a good time this morning, worship. I tell you, I just almost couldn't contain myself. I almost looked for a volunteer to run for me. Uh, only thing is, is I didn't know if they would run the way I would run. I mean, I, I mean, go, would you really go for it, you know? I mean, just, just get up and run, you know? I mean, uh, some people say, well, I'm too dignified to do that. Well, that's, that's, that's a problem there. Uh, we won't go into that. But uh, I did. It was, it was good because you know what? God is faithful. The other day I was uh, talking with someone and they were basically saying something to, uh, I, I don't know how to go about it. I'm going to do the best I can without exposing or doing anything. But anyway, they were making an excuse and, and saying uh, that they didn't want to label themselves as, as someone that, that believes word of faith because it might 
be offensive or it might be that they're looked at differently. And as I'm standing there and I'm listening to him, uh, I wanted to say something. And the Lord said, not now. I'll give you the opportunity later, but not now. And I just want you to know something. I've got nothing to hide, nothing to be ashamed of. I am today a very blessed man because of the word of faith, the word of God, trusting and believing God's word, whether you like it or not, whether they like it or not, I chose to live that and I'm blessed. So why in the world would I want to believe somebody that's not blessed? Hello? You know, I was standing there fixing to come up and the Lord said this. He says, ask the people or tell the people this little saying here, and I just wrote it down, what he was saying. He says, when playing chess, the game chess with a liar, if you were playing chess with a liar and he yells checkmate, remember, he's a liar. How many of you know in life, in the game of life, the devil yells checkmate many times? Huh? Just remember, he's a liar. No, it ain't over to God says it's over. There's always another move. Amen? Glory to God. So just in case you come in here feeling like you're in a checkmate spot and the devil's got you whooped and everywhere you turn, it's just, just remember he's a liar. No, he's a liar. Glory to God. Turn with me this morning uh, in your Bibles to uh, James chapter 1 as y'all are turning there. Uh, I do want to make mention that this Sunday we've chosen to have graduation Sunday. For, for our graduates, those that graduate from college and those that from high school. and uh, We had K-5 the other day, so I don't guess we're doing that one. But uh, anyway, we'll do that at the end of the service. Hallelujah. Y'all found James chapter 1. And we're going to just start off here and then we'll, we'll pick up. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations or different temptations Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh cheerful endurance. But let cheerful endurance have her perfect or complete work, that you may be complete and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways father we just thank you for your word this morning and Lord we understand that there's times that uh, in all of our lives and sometimes there's seasons in our lives where uh, we we are just bombarded with these waves the very things that Peter was talking about earlier Things not going good. Things are not going right. And, and we're tossed back and forth in circumstances and, and uh, people's opinions and everything is causing us to, to be almost like waves. Being t- I mean, a boat on the, on the water being tossed back and forth, even losing our bearings at times. And Lord, we understand through your word that you are the anchor of our soul. That we're anchored to your word. And your word brings us stability. Your word brings us peace. And Lord, that we're not to be a double-minded man and unstable because of circumstances. So Lord, we thank you that for your word this morning that we can expose doubt, 
we can expose these things for what they are. And Lord, we can replace it with your word in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You know, in looking at this, we've, we've read this scripture. If you've been in church any length of time, you've seen it or heard it, I'm sure, many different times. About a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And the whole purpose of this passage of scripture here that I want to bring out is the fact that God said, come to him and ask if any man lacks wisdom. He's not going to bewray you. He's not going to put you down and say, well, you should know that by now. My God, you've been in, he wouldn't say my God, he said myself. You had, you, you've been, you know, in this thing for how long? I mean, if Marcia can say, uh, thank y'all, thank you, God, or uh, God, I just want to thank y'all, I can say uh, that. But anyway, Bill did a good job last week, did he not? Did a real good job. Y'all remember that. Remember that stand, be steady, and see. You know, it says here that he's not going to get on to us for coming to him. Now, people may poke fun of you and make fun of you and say, you ought to know by now, but God won't do that. Matter of fact, what he said was, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give you more than you're able to even comprehend. I'm going to just give you so much wisdom because the reason you got in that mess you got into and needed was because you lacked wisdom. That's why it was a temptation. And he says, but in doing so, and you going through this with cheerful endurance, I'm going to cause you to come to a place of completeness. Now, you're already complete in him, but you don't know it because when, the, when you start seeing lack and you start seeing want in your life, it's quite obvious that you're not seeing yourself the way he sees you, which is complete. So it's a temptation. And that temptation will cause you to begin to see the way the world sees. And you'll go to questioning, what's wrong? What's going on here? And it's a temptation. But he said here, when you ask him for wisdom, it says, let him ask in faith. In faith. In other words, in trusting God. Ask him from, for wisdom from a position of trust, of being in him. He says, not wavering. And that's what doubt comes to do. It causes you to waver. We made mention of this a couple of weeks ago. That, that uh, faith is hot, unbelief is cold, and doubt is lukewarm. And all you got to do is read in Revelations what happens to lukewarm. God says he spits it out of his mouth. He'd rather you be cold or hot than to be lukewarm because when you're lukewarm, you don't know where you are. You don't know what you're doing. You think everything is great, and it's not. He said, rather you be Hot or cold? If you're cold, maybe you'll get so cold you'll start seeking the word and find out what the problem is, and usually it's right between our ears. Amen? So he says here, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. Because that's what doubt does. It, it'll run over here and, and speak the word and be in faith, and then it runs back over here to the circumstance. It says, well, I believe what I see, and I believe what I hear, and I believe all this. And the Bible says you're to believe the word. Believe God. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we went over scriptures talking about Mary and Martha and how Martha was busy about doing things and serving God. The Bible says she was encumbered with much, much. In other words, she was busy about doing a lot of things, but it says that Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. And the 
point I was making is, is that if you sit at the feet of Jesus, you're communing with, with God. And that's where you get revelation knowledge. That's where he speaks to you about your life and your situations, about your children, about your attitude, about your upcoming, uh, about everything about your life. But Mary was in the same, I mean, Martha was in the same house with Jesus. And it's important for us to realize that we can be in church 40 years and still not be sitting at his feet. And you cannot replace sitting at his feet by being in the house. There comes a time where, and we need to be doing that on a regular basis, because I can guarantee you this, that if you're sitting at his feet, there'll be times you'll be busy in the house. Why? Because you don't sit at his feet and just do nothing but be a sponge. He gives you revelation so that you can take that and go and wring it out on other people. So if you're sitting at his feet and think that, well, I'll never have an opportunity to, what am I going to do with all this? Believe me, he will find you a place so you can impart what he's been parted into you. Hmm? So there's a place in the house. And that's at Jesus' feet. That's where communion, that's where you're developed. That's where you're strengthened. It's not in being busy. Busyness will cause you to come to a place where you are no good to anybody, not even to yourself. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm not talking about you, so you can just kind of let your guard down. I say, okay, I'm not pointing fingers. If I was, I'd be pointing ten of them back at me. Because I know how to get busy. I know how to be busy. But I also know that if that's where I live and that's where I stay, I'm going to take it out on you. Because you can't, you can't do it any other way. You have to have that communion with God. So when we're dealing with temptation, the temptation is basically to doubt God and what God said. Temptation is a, an enticement. It's an invitation to sin, which is saying, God, I don't believe you. I choose to believe my circumstances. I choose to believe what so-and-so said. I choose to believe my situation and not choose to listen to you. Because I move and I live my life by what I see and what I hear instead of by faith. But the word says that we're to live by faith, not by sight. Isn't that right? So by God saying that, what he's basically saying, there's going to be a lot of things in your life that you see that doesn't line up with my word. Choose my word over what you see. Huh? Think about it. Did Jacob, did he foresee that Joseph would be thrown into a pit and, and they come back and say that a wild beast killed him? He didn't see that. If he had, he'd have never sent him out to go check on his brothers. Things happen in life, but you get to choose who you believe. And the one you usually believe the quickest is yourself. Well, you know, that's where doubt resides also. And if doubt resides within us, I mean, if you know, if, if Bob was over here living in doubt, it really doesn't have an effect on me. I just bless his heart. That's Bob. Somebody says, what about Bob? Well, that's a movie. Wouldn't recommend you go see that today. But nevertheless, it doesn't affect you. It affects Bob. So doubt in us affects us. And we need to recognize that. So 
I want us to, to, to minister this morning on temptation and this thing of doubt because that's where it is. It's in us. It's not in the, next per, the person next to you. It gets into you. And my assignment this morning is to help you and myself through all of this research and studying God's Word, spending time with Him, to bring us to a place that we're not like waves tossed to and fro, but to bring us to a place of stability, that we trust and choose to believe God regardless of what we see and hear. Regardless of what Washington does, regardless of what pandemic may be out, regardless of how many missiles fly into Israel, regardless of who's running for office, to stand there and say, none of that matters. What matters is who's sitting on the throne of my heart. Because that's what I need to be looking at, is who's sitting on the throne of my heart. So, when we're tempted, the temptation really only reveals where we are in life. It never reveals who we are in life, only where we are in life. If the temptation revealed who you are in life, it wouldn't be a temptation. Because we're children of God, seated in heavenly places. So, Satan will never tempt you with that. He wants to tempt you where you are. You see, I learned a long time ago that faith, that the tests and trials in faith will never develop your faith. It will not destroy your faith. Tests and trials are never there to destroy your faith. You've got to get that down inside. Nobody wants to have it. it. It seems like it's it's crushing you and it's doing all kinds of things. But it really only reveals what kind of faith you have. Are you hearing me? The best example I can share is the one I've been sharing with probably 40 years. And that is if they were making concrete blocks at the plant. And they're on assembly line and they go out. Every so many of those blocks that go out, they'll reach and pick up one and they go and they put it in a machine and they will apply pressure on this, on this block called PSIs. And in that, they will continue to pressure, put pressure on it until the block breaks. For only when the block breaks does it reveal the strength of the block. Now I want to ask you something. Did, the, te did the, the, the pressure of that, did it, re did it add strength to the block? Did it take any strength away? It only revealed how strong it was. So no matter what you're going through in life, no matter how bad the, the devil is in your situation or how, how much trouble you're going through, it doesn't add to your faith and it doesn't take away from your faith. It only reveals your faith. And from that point, you can do something. For if that block that they put the test on doesn't meet the standard for that block, then they go back over here to the mixer and they add a little bit more cement. And then they mix it up. And then they'll run at another one. And now they put the test and it goes, oh, it supersedes. You see, when we find ourselves broken, 
when we go through something, what we need is a little bit more cement. What we need is to go back to the Word of God and get a little bit more of the Word in, in us to make us stronger, to eradicate the doubt. Are you hearing me? So temptations never come to reveal who you are. But temptations come and it does reveal where we are. Okay? So with that in mind, realize that the temptation doesn't say where you're seated. Your faith in God does that. Your faith in God, when you stand there and you say, no, we are children of the Most High God seated in heavenly places in Christ. Say that with me. We are children. Let's say it like we mean it. We are children of God seated in heavenly places in Christ. We're not seated in heavenly places like Martha. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Not just seated in heavenly places doing busy stuff, but we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, in seated at his feet. We're right there. And we speak, we proclaim, we declare, we set forth decrees, and we pray from that position. We don't pray from a position of doubt and unbelief. We don't pray from a position of the world and what's going on down there. We pray from a position of being seated in heavenly places. From a position of heavenly places, you look over there and say, well, I don't know why I would even think to doubt that I needed this because, my goodness, the road's up here made of gold. That $150 bill I've got down there is nothing. I'm right here. I'll just take a piece back with me. It's easy to receive. You see, because that's what the Lord's saying. Let not that man, that double-minded man, think that he's going to receive anything that's what the Lord's wanting to get across to us the past few months that he has what you have need of and he wants us to receive it how many of you like to receive from God it's a position it's a position and it's real but if you're living in doubt you can't receive and that's what Jesus was saying that's what James is saying here in the word he constantly uses that word receive receive is an action it's not a thought it's an action you can't go about and say well what if he don't that's doubt that paints a picture if you're going to have a picture in your mind have one in your mind of receiving makes a lot of better, a lot better sense doesn't it so Remember that, that our position is in God and not in this world. And when you're being tempted, know this. This gives you an opportunity that a lot of people don't have. And that is to walk in the grace of God in that area. Because unless you're being tempted with that, you're not experiencing the grace of God in that area. The strength, the empowerment to overcome. 
But God knows everything, and he always makes a way of escape. So he's saying to us that if you're being tempted, I want you to experience the empowerment, the empowerment that will take to overcome whatever you're going through. Because you can read about it, you can listen to the preacher talk about it, but until you're there, it's all talk. It's all hearsay. But what are you going to do after you've done it? Huh? When you've done it, when people come and ask, you can say, well, no, 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 no. I did it. Well, I tried that. I did it. Well, I tried that, though. He never said be a trier of the word. He said be a doer of the word. Do you want to say to people, well, I tried, but... Or do you want to say, well, I did. How many of you know that's entirely two different things? Trying and doing. And he said for us to be doers. Then we need to be doers. And if we're not doers, it's because somewhere in this, we've missed it. Because what Blake does over in his life doesn't affect what's going on in mine. I do that. So, the thing is, the Bible says in Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and he will sup with me and he with me. I will sup with him and him with me. He says, I stand at the door and knock. How many times does the Holy Spirit stand there and knock at your door for you to let him in? It says, If any man hears my voice, and opens the door. God's knocking all the time. And he may be using the circumstances of this world to be the knocking. And he says, I want to come in. Because I see you're becoming anxious about this. I see you're worried about this. I see that you're fearful about the things that's going on. And I want to come in and talk to you. Because I know that once you hear my voice, that fear will be gone. It'll be like the disciples in the boat and they saw the Spirit come walking upon the water and they all got frightful. And when he says, be of good cheer, it is I, then peace came. They knew that voice. And the Bible says that Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. And he says, answer the door, for when I speak my voice, it'll bring peace. And he says, and I'll come in. You open the door, I'll come in. He didn't say I'll come in and, and ridicule you and tell you why you're in such bad shape. He says, I will come in and I'm going to have dinner with you. And you with me. He's saying we're going to have communion. It's like seated at the feet of Jesus. This is where we get strong. This is where doubt hits the road. This is when the things start coming. Say, no, 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 no. We've already dealt with this issue. I've already been seated at the feet of Jesus over this. We're not going to even entertain such foolishness. I don't care how much you say checkmate. You ain't nothing but a liar. I've sat with truth, and truth told me you were a liar. So how do we replace doubt with faith? You see, we think, well, just, just read the Word. No. But I will say this to you. If you're living a lifestyle of defeat, if you're living a lifestyle where fear is ruling you, if you're living a lifestyle where you're complacent, 
you need to realize and utilize God's word in your life. Because it's quite obvious that although you know what God's word says, you're not utilizing his word. And that's what I find a lot in the church, especially in full gospel churches, charismatic churches, word churches, is they know the word, but it's not working in their life because they hadn't utilized it. They hadn't put it to work. They can quote it. Oh, that's what the word says, but they're not doing it. So they're hearers. They're not even triers anymore. So that means they're not doers. And it's one thing to acknowledge defeat, acknowledge fear in your life. It's another thing to acknowledge being complacent. But what about taking these bad characteristics that's in our life and replacing them with truth? Because it's one thing to have it and acknowledge you got it, but it's another thing about replacing it. Just saying, yep, that's me. No, that's a lie. That's not you. You're telling me what, you, what I see. I want to know the truth, which is the unseen, what God said you were. Did he not tell us several different times that we, what? We, the things of this world are temporal. The way you're acting is temporal. Do you think you'll act that way in heaven? No. Are you seated in heaven? Yes. Then act like you're seated in heaven. Or don't act it. Be it. Be the story. Right, Bill? Be the story. Because the only people that get the results and, and can say, I did, are the people that's going to be the story. That's my T-shirt, Logan. I want that on T-shirts. Be the story. You ought to just quit hearing about these Bible stories and be the story. Nike gets a hold of that. Somebody's going to get rich. And it ought to be me. So I might ought to be the one who gets in touch with them. I know the University of Alabama would use it because they are the story. You don't believe it, ask them. That's why they keep going there. We'll not go with that thought. We're just going to keep going with the word here. I could go with that for a while. Through God's word. How many... <laughs> I dare to declare to you that through God's word and communion with the Holy Spirit, you can change the course of your history. Not only for your life, but your children's life and your children's children. How many of you want that to happen? I mean, my, great -grand my grandfather was an alcoholic. To the point where he set up a still in the living room. Yeah. My uncles were alcoholics. Just passed down. Me, I was a drug dealer. But there came a time when I gave my life to the Lord when he came in that room. November <laughs> 27. Anyway, there was a line drawn in the sand. Wasn't one of those that some president's drawing a line and just keep moving and making new lines. No, there was a line drawn in the sand say, this goes no farther. It stops with me. It stops with me. It's not going to happen anymore. It's going to stop with me. 
I may have to battle, I may have to fight, I have to do everything I can, but it's not going on to my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids. This is going to stop today. You may have to be dealing with a spirit of fear or pride or whatever else. It ought to stop with you and quit passing it on to your kids to pick up. I think we're leaving them enough national debt to be worried about as it is. Some of this stuff ought to stop with us. We're not going any further. It stops here. It changes the course of history. We're going to do it. So, receiving. That's what he wants us to do. The first thing that you must do is to be ready to receive from God. How many people here are really ready to receive from God? Are we really? Are we positioning ourselves? Know that God is not trying to keep anything from you. He's trying to get it to you. So to think that God, well, you know, he just, he gives and he, and he takes. No, God doesn't take. The only thing he's took from you is your sin. God's a good father. And he says, if you've been a good father, we give your children bread when asked for it, and not a, a snake and a, sto- uh, a rock and, and these things. Don't you think our Heavenly Father would do better than that? Then we need to understand God's a good God, and he wants us to position ourselves to receive. How many of you know you must be ready to receive new ideas? His ideas. You must be ready to receive his thoughts. You must be ready to receive his promises that line up with his will and purpose for your life according to the word of God. Because that's how he speaks. When he speaks and he things put in place, it's going to come into alignment with his word. His word, his written word will always reveal the idea. It will always confirm the thoughts. It will always confirm the promises. But not only do we have to learn to receive, we also must be ready to reject and cast down ideas, thoughts, suggestions, temptations that are detrimental to our growth as Christians. So not only do we have to position ourselves to receive, we also have to be ready to reject certain things. And as human beings... How many of you know we receive information all of the time on a consistent basis? We are in control of this. We're in control of what we receive. Just like television. How many of you know on TV, there's a lot of great things on there. It's one of the greatest teaching tools that the church has at its disposal. Where someone can get up and minister the Word of God and speak to people clear across the planet for free that's what we're doing this morning on facebook can preach the gospel for free it's a great thing and those people that have tuned in they made a choice to tune in to hear what does god say but you have the opportunity to take that same television and tune in to what the devil says and what anybody else says god doesn't make the choice You make the choice. You made the choice to watch the evening news that was contrary to everything his word says. You made the choice to watch that horror picture that kept you up half the night wondering if some vampire is going to come into your house. Marcia's mother loved 
She loved a good horror picture. I never figured out why. Did she not? She loved it. I wanted to say, does it, what, what it is, what is in this that, I mean, you're sitting there shaking. Go stand in a deep freeze, you can shake in there. Why do you want to do this to yourself? But she enjoyed it. I didn't. I'm like, no. I'm making a choice not to put myself through that. I've got enough things that's being presented to me on a regular basis that I have to tune out than to sit there and purposely tune in to something that's going to bring me fear or disappointment or heartache. Because, see, I understand it's my choice. It's not Harry and Sybil's choice. It's not Orlando and Gladys' choice what I'm watching. It's my choice. It's my choice what I put in there. And we have to realize this. See, you don't have to stop watching TV altogether. You just tune into the programs that's going to benefit your life. And there's nothing wrong with a good Western and all these type of things. And, and, but, but how many of you realize that Hollywood is not going to make movies that tells you that you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? They don't do that. They're always producing movies that tell you there's snakes on a plane. And all kind of other stuff to keep you in fear. It's never intended to tell you what the Bible says and declares about you. So, but you've got to make that choice. And if God wants you to have a spirit of fear, don't you know that he can get it to you? I mean, his word says, right there in 2 Timothy 1.7, says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. If he wanted you to have one, he could have gave it to you. You wouldn't even have to watch a horror picture or Chainsaw Massacre or whatever. He would have given it to you. You don't want, he, he knew you didn't need it. But he said he gave us something else. He gave us a spirit of power. Spirit of love. He gave us a sound mind. And if that's what he gave us, shouldn't we be using that? So why is it that we feel inferior because we've been given a spirit of power and of love and think that we're missing out because we don't have a spirit of fear in our life? You know what I'm missing? I'm lacking. I need some fear in my life. Hello? He came so you wouldn't have that fear in your life. You must come against entertaining anything. That brings you to a place of fear. Why would you want to entertain that? And you know it's so subtle it just kind of sneaks in. Even commercials. They'll sneak one in there. Making you realize that you don't have this. And since you don't have this. You're, something's wrong with you. You're lacking. There's, there's a problem. You're, you're, you're inadequate. You're, you're, you're not worthy. Lots of things. It talks to you. The spirit of fear. 
is not your guide. But it guides many people's life. The Holy Spirit is what Jesus sent to be our guide, not the spirit of fear. But we've allowed the spirit of fear to guide our lives for so long that we can't tell the difference between the spirit of fear and our own thoughts. We began to think that these are our thoughts because we took those thoughts and became one with it when we should have took what the Holy Spirit said and became one with it. God wants us to be at peace. He wants us, at us, he wants us to be at a place of rest. A spirit of fear is not going to bring you peace and it's not going to bring you rest. So when something's come knocking, you need to pay attention to what are you hearing. Is this in alignment with what God says? Then why am I entertaining this? You say, well, I don't think I'd have much of a life. I don't, what am I supposed to do? Well, let's just start doing what the Word says. Why don't we analyze? Analyze. We need to analyze what you're receiving. So uh, how do you analyze it, and then what do you analyze it with? Well, you analyze it by taking it apart, and you analyze it with the Word of God. Does the Word say what it says? And if it came from the world, it, it, there's probably going to be a big difference there. A big difference. If you're going to win a battle over doubt, you're going to have to take control of your thoughts. I'm just going to tell you. Plain and simple. If you're going to win the battle of doubt, you're going to have to take control of your thoughts. That's why his word says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, bringing into captivity every, every thought. Not some of the thoughts, not the bad thoughts, but every thought. Even God thoughts, you bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That would be God's word. Do you know that when God speaks, you ought to take that word captive? You ought to put it inside. You ought to interrogate that word of God. You know why? Because it's going to reveal the promise that comes with that. It's going to reveal to you things that you didn't know of. And so, yeah, take that thought captive. Look at it. Analyze it. And since we think every day, or at least we should, and all day long, we're going to have to take captive every thought and with this thought, we're going to have to examine it. Is this thought bringing fear, or is it going to develop my faith? Is this thought from God? If it is, it's developing my faith. If it's from fear, it's there to destroy it. It's there to do away with it. Is this going to make me trust God more? Is this going to make me doubt what God's Word says? God's not going to bring you a Word to cause you to be doubting His Word. Every thought comes to your mind that comes to your mind you must take prisoner. You have to analyze it. You have to look and compare it to what God's Word says. You have to say, why are you here? What's your mission? Why, what's your assignment? Where are you wanting to take me? Back in the late 80s, I got a hold of this revelation. And it'll cause you your whole life to just about come to a standstill. 
And you begin to start questioning yourself about everything that's going on because you think all day long. You start questioning your motives. Why am I doing this? Well, that's what I've always done. Does that make it right? Could be right. But why are you doing it? Well, I don't know. Are you going to take the time to stop and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Are you just going to stay there? And I remember trying to explain this to Marcia, and she thought I'd lost my mind. Well, I did. I started taking on the mind of Christ. Because I wanted to, I knew that it was my responsibility. This was my choice, not your choice. I'm not going home where you live. You're not going home where I live. So I need to know what's going on here. So I began to start questioning every thought, analyzing, take, and it was slow go. Finally, Marsha got a hold of this. Didn't take really that long, but it seemed probably like, what in the world's going on with him? She began to understand what I was saying. I was checking my motives. I was examining my heart. I wanted to know, am I doing the right thing for the wrong reason? I want to know. And I remember one day she got in the car. Now, back then, we had this Volvo, and it had a sunroof. Now, it was so old. I mean, back in the 80s, I mean, not many cars had sunroofs. Not intentionally. I mean, some redneck may take a chainsaw, make him a sunroof. But we had one that came that way, but it wasn't electric. And it was a hand crank. You cranked it. And it rolled it back. Anybody remember those? But very few people had them. When we bought this, this Volvo and we had it, Marsha was driving it back and forth. And I remember her saying to me, she says, you know what happened this morning? I said, what's that? She said, I got in the car. And I reached up there and I'm riding down the road. And I sat there and I'm rolling it back. And she said, as I'm rolling it, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Now, most of you would say, because I wanted fresh air to come blowing in. Me, I would. Couldn't say I wanted my hair to blow in the breeze, but she could have. Because she's got some. But she stopped. She says, why am I opening this window? Is it to let fresh air in or to show people that I've got a sunroof? Now, that, must, that means nothing. Most, a lot of cars have them now. Back then, they didn't. So, in other words, could it be pride? It gave an appearance that she just wanted some fresh air. But only she would know the motive. Her and God. And although it was looking good, what was it in her? And she stopped and she reversed it and rolled it back and says, until I know why, I'll not open it back. That's taking the thoughts captive. Don't you know that just ticked the devil off? Because even if it was just a right motive, he saw, I'm going to do something. I'm going to demonstrate my love to God. I'm going to pursue this. And we have to get that way about it. Every thought, every action. So that'll take a long time. You've got all your life. And you know what will happen? You'll do it all the rest of your life. It should become a way of life. That we take every thought captive. That's what he said. And he would not ask you to do something that he didn't mean. John 1.14 says that Jesus said that he is the word made flesh. 
That's what he said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, he said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among them. He said he was that. When you begin to take every thought prisoner, and you must do it, I want you to understand something. You too become the Word wrapped in flesh. Are you hearing me? Dwelling on earth. When you start living your life, hearing the word and listening to the word, you become that word wrapped in flesh. And that's where God wants to bring us. He wants us to do it, base all of our decisions upon what does his word say and not on what other people think. Now, how many of you know that many Christians have no idea what the word of God is saying regarding obedience? Most of them don't. They know Bible stories. They know abstract information about the Bible. They may know some doctrine. And most people think that it's impossible to live a lifestyle based upon the Word of God. I did. I was raised and taught in church that you can't live this Bible. That's why they made confession. I was taught that in church. It's not going to happen. And so we go about our life never really expecting to live a lifestyle like God said we could and we should to just where we walk around and we claim grace and couldn't tell you what grace is. Have no idea. And then declare, well, you know, we're just trying to do the best we can. No, we're not. If you were doing the best you could, you'd do what the Word said told you you wouldn't like this message god doesn't he's not interested nor does he want you just to get by if he did he wouldn't put all the promises in his word they're not carrots but many christians have never been taught to capture the thoughts of their mind in light of the word of god so they try to do it from a culture standpoint or a worldly view with no reference in the bible to back up the standard. So they just have to go by their education. They go by their culture. They go by what other people may think. And uh, it causes them to have problems. And uh, I don't know what time is it. Wow, I didn't get very far. Um, go figure. Well, I'll just back up and do this and then we'll close it right here and we'll do our little thing here but I back in 1987 like I told you I was I began doing this in my life and I found out that I had quite a bit of information waltzing in my brain from a lot of different places and it wasn't God I had a lot of fear a lot of doubt unbelief things that I was taught my education things that I learned in church, all kind of things that had no place in my mind. But it was there. And it was controlling me. It was controlling my destiny. It was controlling my health. And it had taken up a residency in my mind. It was resonant. It was there. Things were based upon that. The way I thought it influenced my life. 
everything. But this process of taking captive every single thought, this process made me question my upbringing, my education, and bring every bit of that, what does the Word say? And I began to find out that I had a whole, that I've been trained to doubt, trained not to believe. I was trained if it came to money, was a very thing that y'all probably say or have heard many times. I don't know who said that. I think it was Confucius. It says, a bird in a hand is worth what? A bird in a hand is what? Who said that something like that? Was it Confucius that said that? I think it was. A bird in a hand is worth two in the bush. And I live a lifestyle like that. Well, I'm going to hold on to what I got. It's better than, than two in a bush. Jesus said what? Give, and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run of old men will give unto your bosom. Is there two different thoughts here? And I had to start looking and, and realize that either I believed God or I didn't believe God. Because I've been programmed thinking this way about all kind of stuff. And I had to make a decision. Because I can't blame you. I can't blame my elementary teacher. I can't blame the priest or the nun or anybody else. It's my choice. I make this choice. I make the choice. And when it's all said and done, I will be the one standing before God, not you. And I'm not going to say, well, Dave and Julie said. He's going to say, I'll get to them in a little bit. Right now, I'm talking to you. So what are we going to do? We're just going to go ahead and say, well, they've been doing this for thousands of years, doing their own thing. They just go, be the story. God's looking for some Davids to kill some giants. You just want to be another casualty? When your children and your grandchildren are looking for the story. It's going to take some effort. You may cry, you may laugh, you may question yourself, what in the world am I thinking? That's, that's right, that's exactly what you ought to be doing. Asking yourself, what am I thinking? Because see, we've listened to Uncle Joe, Aunt Maurice, and everybody else. We've listened to their experiences that are contrary to what God's Word says, and we have now formed in our thinking a way of life that is not what God said. And everything and everything that we go about is filtered through what we think. Based on your experiences of failure? Is that, is that what we're going to do? Is we're going to pull up the filter of failure and base God's Word on it? And what we're going to do, you know what? I've gone down the highway many times, and I see these people. Got their little palm reader signs on a four-by-eight sheet of plywood that the paint's peeling off of, and it says, financial advisor. And a little shack in the back, grass growing up about this high. I'm not going to stop there and ask them for financial advice. 
They can't even buy a lawnmower. Paint's peeling off their sign. So why would I go there? Why would you go to some aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so and take their advice? When you got God's word says, this is what you need to do. But we live our life based on their experiences and our failures. We filter it all through that. And we got to stop that. And I've got lots more to say about this. Because, see, we hadn't even got into the accepting of the truth. The replacing of the doubt. So that we can live outside of doubt. We'll get on that next week. With every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around. <coughs> You're here this morning, and this morning... You get to make a choice. The choice is this. What am I going to do with what I heard this morning? Nobody here is making the decision for you. This is only you can make this decision. Your wife can't make the decision for you. Your husband can't make your decision for you. You can't make the decision for your children. Your children will have to make the decision, what are they going to do with it? What are we going to do with the truth? What are we going to do with it? What are we going to compare it to? Will we receive it? Will we embrace it? It will require change. It's going to require a lot of things from us. Or do we just ignore it, blow it off, and ask ourselves, what's for lunch? We get to make that decision. And in the midst of all of it, we have to understand something. We can live our life hoping that the suggestions, the thoughts, the ideas that's being presented to our mind hoping that maybe they'll be in alignment with God's Word. Or we'll live our life looking at these thoughts, these suggestions, these ideas, and they pass the analytical test of our mind because of the ignorance, the mistake. It's in thinking that it's obedient to God's word when it's really not, because we never took it captive and examined it. Either way, you lose. Because if you go about this without testing it, without analyzing it, without seeing what does God say, you'll never see that there's a reward that comes to those that are faithful. You'll never see the promise that's attached and associated with the word of God you're just hoping and wishing that what you're doing is right. And if that's what you do, you miss out on the good stuff. So we have to make that decision. And what decision you make today is your decision. And you're going to live your life accordingly. And you will pay the price, whatever it is. I hope that I've pushed you this morning to that place of decision. Well, you recognize this is your choice. And while you've got your heads bowed and eyes closed, you make that choice today. What am I going to do with the truth? Am I going to start examining things? 
And if you are, I'm going to pray with you because you're going to need some prayer. But you make that right now. Now, Father, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit. Your God that you sent to us to guide us into all truth. And I thank you, Lord, for that Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know and recognize you as truth. We know that you'd never deceive us, never walk out on us, never fail to reveal to us the truth. And this morning, we know that we've been presented lies throughout our whole life. We've been hearing things and seeing things that's not lined up with your word. We've taken it as truth and practiced and lived our life accordingly only to find out that we don't even know if this is the word. So, Lord, I thank you that you're going to guide these people. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle. But, Lord, we know that you're up for it. And, Lord, I just ask you for strength for these believers that have made a decision that they're going to start seeking you out. And in doing so, Lord, I think it changes the course of history in their life, their children's lives, and their children's children's. And we bless you this morning. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your love. And I declare blessings on the people this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.